Do you ever wish that you could remember everything forever? You can learn more in less time by using Picmonic to pass your classes, exams, and even the NPTE. With Picmonic's innovative learning platform and research proven to increase your long-term memory by, guess how much, Sarah? What is it? 330% and your exam scores by 50%. And Picmonic has entertaining short stories with memorable graphics that are kind of crazy and they tell a story in an educational way, almost like you're sitting around a campfire and learning stuff. Since you remember things when they're tied to your limbic system and they're important to you, this helps you so much when you're trying to study for your exams and helps you do way better. We want you all to have access to this platform and use the code gratitude spelled g-r-a-d-i-t-u-d-e for 20 percent off or click the link in the description looking for a gift for a friend classmate professor co-host of a podcast or really anyone physio memes got your back with apparel drinkware and home decor and if you go to physiomemes.com you can get a 20 percent off coupon with the code gratitude spelled g-r a-D-I-T-U-D-E-2020. And don't forget to check out his social media for a good study break laugh. As always, make life humorous. The SPT Secret Society is open for students who are looking to make a massive change in their PT school journey with fellow SPTs from around the world through our three pillars of study habits, personal development, and finances. This is for the motivated SPT ready to take action now because you know PT school is only a couple years long. So what are you waiting for? Click the link right now in the show notes to join us in the SPT Secret Society. And get your first month free by emailing us ecretsay, E-C-R-E-T-S-A-Y. Welcome to Gratitude. I'm Sarah. And I'm Gabby. And we are two new grad DPTs helping you get through PT school on your first try debt-free. Join us as we guide you through the insanity of PT school. Welcome to another episode of Gratitude. This is episode, what, 281, 281. And we have Jamie on the show. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Thank you for having me. Love, glad to be here. Actually, this is this is fun. Live streaming with the hundreds and millions of people that are following you. Exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you guys are tuning in live, please put down below. If you are live or on the replay, we are streaming this in the Student Physical Therapist Network group on Facebook. You guys can come check it out. If you're listening on the podcast, come and join us. You can see what the heck is going on and who we have on and actually interact uh, live sometimes. So welcome, first of all. Second of all, we have a question we ask everybody in the beginning. What got you into PT in the first place? Well, I'll give you the answer that you've heard a thousand times. I wanted to help people. That's what got me in. Um, you know, it, it was interesting. So a quick story. I uh, went to University of Delaware and never heard of physical therapy at all. And I was in my freshman year. And at the end of my freshman year, I loved playing basketball and um, twisted my ankle like a few weeks to go in school and um went to the uh, infirmary there and of course the doctor did what put a little air cast and gave me some crutches what do you think happened with an air cast and some crutches um with uh with a twisted ankle from basketball it blew up like this it was the most painful thing in the world and um one of my friends who was playing basketball on on the, on the team said well, why don't you to come down to the training room? I go, I thought that was just for the athletes because now nah, you can use it. All right. So I went down there, started getting treatment and it was pretty cool. I, I became interested in, you know, anatomy and what they were doing. So um, I went down the track of athletic trainer. And um, the only problem was it is it required a lot of science and I wasn't very good in science. So I was like, all right. I'll try, I'll, I'll, I'll study, I'll, I'll do my best. And then I started doing that for a little while. And um, I asked, so what does trainers do? They just run out to the field, they tape some ankles and they're like, well, yeah. And I go, you know, from a business standpoint, I'm like, well, 
how much money can they make? And they were telling me, oh, they could make like, you know, 30,000. I, I don't know why I remember that number. And I was like, ooh, that's, that's not going to work. Um, I said, well, what else can you do? They said, well, you could do physical therapy. I go, what's that? And uh, I started learning about it. And that was even more science and physics and chemistry. I went, oh my God, because I just remember high school and I didn't do well in a lot of this. So I was like, all right, I'm going to make an effort. I'm going to do everything I can. Let's see what I can do. And I took like biology. I did well. I took chemistry during the winter set or during a summer session at home. Um, I did pretty well. I was like, all right, I can do this. And um, that's how I uh, became interested in it. Uh, really from an athletic training background. The more I started learning about uh, the physical therapy, what you could do, it was really cool. But um, that old twisted ankle, uh, first end of first year, freshman year. Yeah. And I feel like it always starts in an, with an injury or it, it's that initial point of, oh, this is interesting. Like asking, what do you do type of thing? And from there, so um, how was your program set up? Did you go to the same, I guess, university for physical therapy? Uh, explain more of that. Yeah, so I probably wouldn't get into school nowadays. I don't know if you've ever heard that from some of the older older folks out there. Um, but um, so I went to University of Delaware. Uh, University of Delaware has a very, very strong uh, PT program. Met with the uh, director there. My grades were really good. All my other stuff was really good. I'm not a great test taker. That's, that's my weakness. Never was a good test taker. Um, on a personal note, I had to get into the University of Delaware through the back door. I was actually an agricultural economics major. Um, so I was, uh, you were learning economics with uh, you know, supply and demand of business. I was talking about that with cows and chickens. Um, so um, they were like, uh, who here works on their pa's farm? And I'm like, what are you talking about? But it wasn't as hard to get into that school and then transfer it out. So anyways, um, the, the, the director said, Jamie, everything looks great. Get over a thousand on your GREs and you're in. I couldn't do it. I got like a 920 or 930. So I was like, all right, well, that whole career is gone. But University of Maryland at the time was transitioning from a bachelor's to a master's. And this was in 1992. So I went, okay, so what do you have to get in? They're like, you know, your grades and all that. I go, no GREs, no GREs. I go, are you sure? It was the only school I knew. I was like, all right, that's my in. I applied to one school. It was just that one because no one was going to accept a, seven, a 920. And, um, and I got in. And um, my class was part master's and a few bachelors. And the only reason they didn't require GREs because it, because we had a few bachelor people, they had to make it fair for everyone. So that was the one year they did it. Other than that, I wouldn't be sitting here with you right now, at least not talking about PT. Wow. So you went for your master's, bachelor's? What did you end up getting? No, I officially got my master's. So we all started together. They left after two years with the bachelor's. Wow. I left three years with, with, a, with a master's and then later on went back and got the doctorate. Oh man. So there's a lot we could unpack here. How was it, how <laughs> Not was too it? many people know the, the story, especially how I got into uh, undergrad. That's cool though. And I, I appreciate you sharing that because there's a lot of students who, especially who listen into our podcast, they're non-traditional students. Like they're not necessarily exercise science. And then I went to PT school and all this stuff. Like it's not very straightforward for many people's lives. And it, so I appreciate you sharing that. And what was the transition like for you for the PT program itself? Like, was it super different? Did you have trouble adjusting to it? You mean from, from undergrad? Yeah. Oh, oh. So here's a funny story. Um, so I went to University of Maryland, which is in Baltimore, and I live here my whole life. But I'm not really that familiar with Baltimore. So whatever you do, do not be late your first day in school. So I've, I had to graduate. To, in order to graduate on time from Delaware, I had to take summer sessions and winter sessions 
which means I was in school year round without more than like a week off. Well, Maryland started two days after I graduated Delaware. So I went from big time senior, big man on campus, whatever you want, I'm going to, to you know, starting PT school with a curriculum that I just couldn't even fathom what I went through and what you all went through. Two days after I literally graduated, we started on Tuesday, I graduated on, on Saturday, I was 20 minutes late. Because as much as I knew, I really didn't, I didn't know where to park. Um, I didn't realize it was gonna be blocks away and I'm running. I walk in there with a polo shirt, shorts and sunglasses for the first day. One of the, a girl, a friend of mine, Colleen was, was in there looking at me, just shaking her head because she saw me like a few days before, like at the bar, like graduation mode. And I got reamed out by the professor and just shook his head. He goes, uh, Mr. Schreier, uh, we're not late here. Why don't you just go ahead and take a seat? And I went, oh my God, are you kidding me? This is how I'm going to start it off. So that's how I started off uh, school, got, and then went right into anatomy. Um, and that was the hardest thing in the world, going from one extreme to another. And then I just remember having to learn 70 something arm muscles in, in, in like a week. And I was just, I, I was struggling. I think I caught up maybe like first semester, third year. I, I just always thought I was in the, in, in like just trying to catch up. And honestly, that is the analogy that they use with a little fire hydrant. And it's, it does feel like you, you can never catch up or never get behind because there, there's just, there's so much. And since you were mentioning that you also mentioned test anxiety, how did you perform on, you know, exams and, um, even practicals, if you remember, um, did you have any like academic, um, repercussions or probation because that's something as well right now in PT school uh, you know students don't talk about because there's a lot of shame around it so did you have any experiences with that yeah so um, I was in my uh, second year I was in taking um, is it pediatrics maybe it was a pediatric course um, you know I'm, I'm 23 male taking a pediatrics women I mean I I was only a handful of males in my class and um, was not doing well, had no idea what anyone was talking about. Um, and I was brought into the professor's office and she was asking me, you know, so have you been reading the books? Have you reading the chapters? And I went, no, not, not really. You're like, well, why not? I go, cause I don't have any of the books. And they're like, well, why don't you have any of the books? And I was like, because I don't really do well with reading. And you're like, well, you have to read. I go, well, I usually just sit in the class and I listen, try to take notes. Then I usually try to get friends with someone else who knows how to take notes because I can't write fast enough. And then with the notes, I kind of study and I kind of just form my own perspective around the material and try to make it into stories and try to make it into something I can remember. Um, but when I read, I mean, today I'd be diagnosed with everything in the world, unfortunately kind of gave that to my kids. And I see how difficult it is for them to take tests, test anxiety, horrible at multiple choice, justifying how everything is the right answer. Um, that was that was me. And uh, she goes, I think you have like a neurological dysfunction, Jamie. I went, well, that's great. Now I got that going for me. So I have a professor in this class telling me I have a dysfunction. Um, and the reality is, is the way I learn was not conducive of how they taught. And that's one of my big kind of pet peeves in a little bit of academia today, especially in the, in the PT world, is I think we're leaving a lot of potential great people out because we're so focused on test scores and so focused on very high grades. You're talking about people that know how to play that system, but you're not talking about people that don't know how to think and be innovative and, and be really assets to our profession. Not that there's not great people coming out, um, but I think that, you know, there's a different type of person that's, uh, or a different type of person that's potentially being left out. So um, yeah, I was, I was complete outcast in, in my class 
I didn't do things what other people did. I didn't talk the way they did. I didn't think the way they did. I didn't have the academic smarts the way they did. I was the consummate street smart person who knew how to figure things out and used what I had to try to do it. Sometimes it worked. Uh, sometimes it, it didn't uh, when it recalls, uh, required me a lot of reading, a lot of comprehension. I couldn't do it. What I did is I loved teaching other people things that I learned. And by teaching other people, like we had little study groups, it helped me create understanding and story, which is interesting because it's what I do now when I teach business owners and I teach other um, leaders and, and stuff like that and, and that work for other people. I do it the same exact way. And it's interesting. It seems to land much greater than teaching in an academic, I tell, you remember mode because that doesn't carry on really in, in, in our real life world. No, absolutely not. And learning is so, it's such like an emotional thing too. And if people can kind of create stories and create emotions and everything and include kind of involve your limbic system into this, that's how people really learn and actually apply things. So I appreciate you saying that. And we're going to get to what you're doing now, but what was that transition out of PT school? What did you expect as a new grad and what was it really like? So, um, now we have a little idea of how I think I'm always looking at how can I um, achieve what I want to achieve, but maybe use it, do it in a kind of a unique, the road less taken one. So my first um, uh, clinical affiliation was at a hospital and uh, you know, really great place, local place and got really friendly with it. And I thought it was really cool. And they were offering um, scholarships at the time. So I was like, you know, kind of like the way things are now, you know, people are needed so much that they're willing to do whatever. So I was like, this could be cool. I mean, it's only a year and I, you know, every year they pay for, it, I, I, I agree to work. So um, I applied for it and got it. So they paid, um, they were willing, they were going to pay for my, um, my school. So then the next year I said, well, could you do it again? They're like, sure. So, cause I didn't have any money. I was paying for school all on my own. So, um, so I actually got a scholarship to work for the hospital for the first two years. So I didn't have any anxiety interviewing or anything like that. There was none. I was just in me and the 15 ladies that I worked with in acute care. Um, so, which again was, uh, was, was definitely an experience and eye opening. Um, and uh, it was, to be perfectly candid, what I remember, not everyone had to drive to learn and to continue to learn. There was a lot of um, almost like just being okay, just going through the motions, doing your job. And that's never been me, just doing your job. Um, I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to be challenged. And I just recall um, after three months of being there, I was like, is this it? Like, and they went, what do you mean? I go, okay, so I learned how we do it. I've been on the floors. I, you know, um, and they said, well, yeah. And I went, oh my God. Um, I became the director of their outpatient services three months in, into my job because I was the only person that was interested in orthopedics and outpatient and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so it was, it was an interesting, uh, interesting experience, but I, I stayed and I agreed to stay and made, made the best of it. Uh, but, um, it, it wasn't certainly the most challenging thing. Yeah. And I, I'm glad that you mentioned that just because I, I know Sarah and I, um, I can probably speak for the both of us, but we were very outside the box thinkers, almost like out cast in a sense, like you, mm -hmm. um, mentioned, but, you know, just having that like challenge and saying, Hey, I want, I want to grow more. Like what, what else is there for me to do? And during your time, did you have any mentors or someone who you looked up to, um, in the PT world, but then also transitioning into business as well when you decided to, uh, shift gears. So let's go more into that first. Yeah, I mean, I certainly had mentors. I've always had the business bug, but the business bug really 
turned more into, I wanted to be really good at my craft. And I spent a ton of time learning. Um, it, it was interesting. I probably read more books. Uh, I certainly read more books after school than I ever read during school. Um, I took courses. Um, and I certainly had a mentor, uh, Crystal comes to mind. Uh, she was the one that was my CI at the hospital. She was certainly a mentor. She was cool. She wasn't too far from my age. And, um, you know, we've, we've stayed friends to this day and, and she'd, uh, you know, she challenged me on some stuff, but, um, I wasn't, I wasn't really part of any network. I mean, you guys have it. Um, I don't want to be the old curmudgeon, but because of technology, it's easier to connect. I didn't have that. I wasn't able to connect with a lot of people. I kind of created my own study study kind of group outside of college because a couple of my friends who I met in PT school that lived around here, we would sit there and, and kind of challenge each other. Um, we would take different courses and I mean, we'd be, you know, during the summer, we'd be out, you know, at at the bars drinking and challenging each other. What would you do with this dysfunction or that dysfunction? I mean, we would just kind of uh, do kind of intellect stimulation. Um, I wasn't really involved in, in any uh, APTA. I wasn't really involved in that at all. Um, I never attended anything. Um, I, it was just kind of a self-motivating type of thing. Um, I did follow a couple people and they were, they were people that I, um, that I respected. Um, I, I loved manual therapy. I loved learning things that were pushing the edges of our profession. So um, like, um, you know, muscle energy manipulation. I love that because I could do it uh, in Maryland. I could do it. And some of my friends were chiropractors and I hated the fact they could do that and I couldn't. So I did a lot of training in uh, Michigan State in the osteopathic school. So um, there was a lot of mentors there that were just some brilliant people. Um, that I learned from. Um, and then I got involved in dry needling because Maryland was one of the few states in the in the country that could do dry needling. So I started doing it like in 2000. Um, there was no certification because no one did it. Um, so I had a, um, a couple of uh, mentors here in, in Maryland that do it, still do it. Jan Dommerholt still does it, um, who, who trained me. But um, yeah, not, not too many on, on, the, um, on the academic side or on the, uh, yeah kind of a clinical side, I should say. Yeah, it's a totally different world. Like you said, we do have access to the internet and to connect to so many people. And we're literally doing an interview with you. Although you and Gabby technically are within a proximity, you could talk to each other. Like this would not have been possible back then. So I think that's <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah. And also, so what actually got you, like when did you actually start your business? How was that? Yeah, so after the hospital, um, I became a clinical director at an outpatient orthopedic clinic. And um, that was a really cool experience. Um, I realized they thought differently than I did. And the way they did care was not the way I did care. Um, I had my ideals like we all do. And um, I wanted to go in business. I started working in uh, a lot with golfers. I was just really interested in, in, in golf and the mechanics of the swing. I took, a, I took some courses around it and um, I left that, uh, uh, that position. I was only there for like a year, year and a half. And um, I was, we called it moonlighting back in the day. Now it's your side hustle. But I was, I was working after hours just in a cash, I guess cash base you would call it. And I was working with golfers and other people. I just had a table and a chair. That's all I had. Um, and then I, um, there was another guy in my area, Greg Rose, who was uh, doing golf. So you're talking about two people in the same area that are doing golf in a very unique way than how it was being done. And um, we started working with pretty much every pro in the Mid-Atlantic. And we developed this, all of this content around golf. And we were just bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and said, oh, my God, this could be huge. Tiger Woods was just coming in to the scene. And, um, and it, it was, it was really cool. So we became partners and created this, uh, company called advantage golf. And, um, that's what my, that was my first business experience. 
And uh, my partner was cool. He, he was a smart dude, but I just wanted to have my own practice. I just wanted to do a regular kind of orthopedics um, and not golf. So we separated. He actually got picked up by Titleist, kind of interesting, um, and started the whole movement in our industry in golf, even though he's a chiropractor. So really, really happy for him and proud of him for taking a lot of stuff we developed and just did this whole thing at a TV show on the golf channel. It's really cool. Uh, but just, you know, being a part of that in the beginning. And, um, and I went ahead and, and just opened my doors. I had no money. I borrowed all the equipment or got, you know, secondhand equipment. I started my whole practice for like 12,000 bucks and um, just, you know, just try to, you know, treat the family and friends first and let, have your, have your parents come in and feel sorry for you and treat them and somebody else feel sorry for you. And, you know, um, and, and that's how I did it. And, um, you know, I just started trying to figure it out on my own, which looking back was probably not the best way to, to do it. But that's how I get into it. Yeah. And I, you know, I applaud you for, you know, taking the leap because even, today, it is still a scary, you know, scary thing for you to go out, you know, on your own. And it's becoming more, I guess the word is mainstream now, just the way that uh, our insurance model is. And um, that could be a whole separate episode. Um, so, so then going into, um, going into your business, what were, um, I guess, some of the challenges around being a business owner, um, and how many years out of school were you when you started your, um, like your, your sole business? Yes, I started in 2001. So six years out of school. Um, you know, when you're in school, the biggest influencers in, in your life, whether it's, you know, high school or, or especially college is, um, your teachers, right? Your professors, um, and of course, the old saying is those that can't do teach. So, and I had some really great mentors and professors, but there was this, there was just kind of this, this is how you do things. And I've always been an anti person. Like I like to push the system. I've gotten a lot of trouble when I was younger. I question things, uh, which I think is, is important to do and not just be a sheep and kind of follow the, the rest of the sheep. Um, but the idea was, well, don't open a business. You should go and do a lot of different things and see what you like. Well, I knew I liked orthopedics. It fit me. It was who I was. But, you know, I did the hospital thing for a couple of years. And then I was a director at this outpatient place. And then I did some of this golf stuff. You know, when people say, well, I, I don't want to open my own place because I don't know enough or uh, this person, like some of my clients are like, you know, this person's only been out a year. I don't know if I want to make them director. I'm like, why not? Like we, we, it's, it's almost like it's ageism. Like you don't know what experience this person's has. You don't know what drive and motivation this person's had. Let's focus on the person and not get caught up in kind of the snobby, how many initials you have after your name or how much so-called experience you had. Cause I know people that have, you know, 10, 15 years experience, but what it really is, is one year of experience over 10 and 15 years. That's a lot different than having, three years of experience. So, you know, um, I, I kind of preach and teach the, the opposite way of trying to learn more and know more. You graduate school, you know more than 99% of the world. Um, the only way you're ever going to truly learn more is actually by doing it. And there's no amount of academic, you know, learning and being in this perfect little position of, um, you know, your cohort or, or this, or this way of doing it through, and I'm not saying you don't have to get residencies and all that, but you know what, sometimes just a grit of just jumping into it and doing it, getting beat up a little bit and figuring it out is the best med medicine. And I think sometimes we get caught up in this idea of, I want more certifications. I want more learning because I want to be good enough. I want someone to tell me that I'm enough. And I'm like, no, no, you're enough. You don't need any of that. All right. You, you don't. That's nice. That's fine. But for, for, it's not for everyone. And that's not going to determine the success in your life either. So, um, you know, when I started my practice, I did all the wrong things. 
a um, few things I did right. But what I realized um, a few years into it, I was really miserable. Gabby, you talk about shame and guilt. You know, PTs are really good at hiding stuff. And not just PTs, I think a lot of allied healthcare. Um, we're smart. We didn't have a lot of failure in our life, at least academically. Um, we've been told how good we are, how smart we are. A lot of us are athletes, most likely, pretty good at that as well. And, you know, you get beat up in school, but you're going to pass, right? You're not going to fail, most likely. And then you get in and you do well in your job, but then you go and start your own business. And you try to apply the same things you've learned in school. They don't apply. And you can't think your way out of these things. You can't try to figure out these things on your own. And that's what I was trying to do because I had an ego and I could not tell someone I didn't know what I was doing because I was Jamie, you know, I was this, you know, cocky kid who, who should know business. My dad did business and I read a book or two, so I should know this. I talked a good game because everyone else seemed like they were knowing business and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I had no idea how to market. I had no idea how to hire. I had no idea what to do. I just knew how to do my craft. So once the business became more than just me, I was lost. So that's when, um, did I tell you about the fire? Yeah, so three years in starting my business, things started doing well. I was with my fiance, wife now, Colleen at the time. And um, when it's just you, you know, a lot of it's word of mouth and it was really cool. And I loved it. Business was great. Well, the honeymoon phase ended. No offense, Sarah. The honeymoon phase ended and it was now just the day in and day out of business. And it was just this and this and this. And I would hire people and they would leave. I would hire people and they would leave. Um, I think we're doing well. I have money in the bank. Two minutes later, there's no money in the bank. I don't know what we're doing. And this emotional roller coaster was really difficult. And I took it a lot out of my, my wife and my family. I thought I'd be home more because I had a business. I wasn't home more. I wasn't home at all. I woke up at two o'clock in the morning in cold sweats because I was just like, oh my God, what is tomorrow going to bring? And then all of a sudden, I was driving home one day from the beach with my wife. We got a getaway because I just couldn't handle it anymore got a call from my father-in-law and it said, your business is on fire. And without skipping a beat, I looked at my wife and I went, good. I hope it's my suite and I hope it burns to the ground. Why? Because I would have Monday, this was Sunday, I would have Monday off. I'd be forced not to go to work because I was confused. I loved being a clinician, but I didn't know the first thing about being a business owner. So I had four months to think about it. I contemplating quitting physical therapy altogether um, because I'm seeing all my friends, some of them who I think are morons academically, be very successful. And I'm like, I should be more successful than them. But I wasn't because fairness doesn't have anything to do with business. Um, it's not about being fair. So I did a lot of soul searching during that time. And I came to the conclusion of what I wanted. You know, when I talk about the principles of business. Um, Sarah, you were on a recent thing that I did, uh, seven steps to a seven-figure business. One of the things we all have to do in any part of our life, and this is not just in business, is um, we have to decide the outcome we want. We have to determine our vision, our destination. What do we want? What are we striving for? In, 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 in undergrad, you're striving to get into school. In school, you're, you're striving to pass the board. When you pass some boards, you're striving to have that first job. So in business, I was like, what do I want? What, what is all this? What am I doing all this for? And I came to the conclusion is I wanted to actually own a business. I wanted control of my schedule, control of the money I could make, control of my life and what I could do with it. And I wanted this business that, that would deliver amazing care to people to be the vehicle to get me the type of life I want. That's what I wanted. And I started sharing that with other people. And they thought I was nuts. They said, you can't have a business like that. Your name's on the door. You need to be the therapist. You need to be the one treating everybody. I said, no, I want to do a business where there's other people doing that, talented people. And I'm mentoring them and helping them and learning other things. 
I just didn't see a reason why that couldn't be in a small business. And they kept telling me no, and they kept telling me no. And I went down and started taking my, uh, my, my money and resources and time and learning how to build a business that delivered physical therapy. And that's, I thought it would take me a lot less than nine years, but it took me nine years to do it. Uh, but in 2013, I did it. I removed myself completely from the schedule. I took 137 days off that year. And I made more money than I'd ever imagined I would be making as a physical therapist. And I was the happiest I ever bid. And, um, and I had an amazing team that um, was handling the day-to-day -day who loved every minute of it. And that never would have happened if I didn't have that vision and go through all the ups and downs to get there. And you kind of skipped over the seven steps to a seven figure business real fast. But I just want to point out what a crazy journey I'm sure that has been of business in general. And we hear this all the time, but like business is a crazy journey. Right. And so thank you for sharing. And you did make it like, that's amazing that you finally got to take yourself out of the business. Was there like one big, maybe gap that you realized that you filled in order to take yourself out? Was there something that was the thing that helped yeah. you get there? I'm often uh, asked that question. And the, the answer is that there were many strategic things that helped me. And I can give you the left brain answer, but I'm not going to. I'm going to give you what really was the answer. The answer is vulnerability. What I've realized looking back, and one of my favorite quotes is the greatest teacher we all have is our past experiences. It's the greatest teacher. If we look back and learn from it. So I look back and I learn from these past experiences and realize every time I became more vulnerable in our program, Practice Freedom U, it's one of our core principles that we teach. And it's all about being genuine, being about authentic, authentic, authenticity. And the more I became me, the person that I always felt I was, but I was kind of like these ideals, this crap that gets put on us from childhood through school, is, I'm, is, is I was trying to act and be something I wasn't. The more I became me, the more everything fell into place. I used to try to be the business owner and hire people and speak to people in a certain way. And it never felt right, but I just did it. There was one year that I had 13 people quit. In one year, 13 people quit. My business was only six people. That's an attrition rate or a churn rate of 200%. That ain't a good recipe for business. And I look back on why they quit, because I was an asshole. People want recognition, people want praise, people want mentorship. People don't want to work for someone like me. I was sarcastic. My moods were up and down. And I realized that I got to level up me. I got to improve me, how I come off, my communication, my engagement, my empathy, all of these things you hear about that are, you know, leadership skills or soft skills or whatever. These were just skills of how people in leadership positions, this is the stuff that really elevates anything in your life and the more i went leaning into those fears and those things of well, what if i show people who i'm really about um those are the things that did of course there's strategies on delegations and applying systems but those are like concrete things that you can read the things that i couldn't read except in someone else's story but i had to go through that was being the vulnerable uh, I read this book. It's called um, Reboot. Um, great book. He calls it being the broken, the broken open heart warrior. I love that because we're all broken. We all have shit. But to be open, to, to take that broken heart and just be open to learn, open to grow, and then having that freaking warrior resilient spirit. If we have that, man, we're, we're going to be successful in whatever we do and however you define that. Um, but uh, you mentioned something, um, Sarah, you said, well, you've, you didn't say the words, but um, you said, like, well, you've arrived now. You've, you have that successful business. And 
Um, you know, I wrote a book called The Practice Freedom Method, which I'm happy to provide any of your listeners. Um, they can download a free copy of it. Um, in the book, the physical book, I, I, I would sign, um, the enemy of thriving is arriving. And I take that seriously. Celebrate your milestones. Celebrate the great things in your life. But never stop having the next level, the next outcome, the next goal in mind. Because you start to look in your past and you start to become comfortable. And comfortable is complacent. And nobody grows in that world. So, yes, I did achieve a level of success in the business. And what did I do? I sold it to go down this road of being a, a business trainer and coach and company. And I went right back to the very beginning of I had no idea what I was doing. So it's been a hell of a journey in this phase of my life. Not sure if I answered any question there, but. No, you did. What an incredible, just, I don't know, testament to that. And I, I'll say this because it resonates with me, but what you said, like we, we have to continue to grow and not be complacent. And I feel like that it, I mean, it's so, it's so true in, in all aspects of life. Um, and I don't know, in, in school, I feel like we just get trained a certain way. And then, um, when we get out of school, it's like, and we're going through this right now, it's just figuring out, okay, like, how do I level up and not, not be, you know, you want to go through uncomfortable growth. So, um, I think that was, that was really important to, to touch on. Uh, so what does a typical day look like for you now? Um, well, you know, um, I started, um, accidentally this, this new journey. So in 2018 or not 2018, 2013, when I removed myself off the schedule later that year, um, I got more involved in, in the APTA and, and the PPS, which is the business section, private practice section of the APTA. And um, I did a webinar. It was something around McDonald's, what, what you can learn from McDonald's. And it was around systems. And, you know, I'm not really a speaker. I've never really put webinars together. I didn't know how to put slides together. It was the most basic thing in the world. And what I really talked about is just my journey. And I had a bunch of people reach out to me. And they were like, can you share and help us in our business? And I went, I don't know, I, I guess. So I started helping them, which basically was, I was coaching them. Didn't, didn't plan on doing it. Um, I just wanted to share some of my stuff. So then I started coaching more and more people. And I was like, okay, well, this is kind of fun. I really enjoy this. And um, in 2014, I was like, well, it's kind of like treating like, you get busy, you start packing your schedule, but I just loved my life and loved the flexibility of my life. So then I was like, well, what if I actually create a real business out of this? No idea of this whole internet world, this whole online world. And um, you don't know who to trust. I don't even know what in world I'm in. Um, so I started doing workshops and bringing all these people together and speaking to them and diving in. And, you know, I guess now you would call it kind of a masterminding together. Um, and I still had my other business and that was kind of running and I was doing my thing, but I fell in love with this. And I felt this was my purpose. My purpose was to change people's lives, to help people just like I wanted to do in PT school, but doing it in this fashion where I can change hundreds and thousands of people's lives by helping this business owner become successful. And that would affect their staff, their family, their patients, their community. Um, so that's what I wanted to do. Put my business up for sale. Someone buys it, great. Someone do doesn't, I don't care because uh, it's still running well. And um, then I sold it and really got serious about it. Um, it became more than a hobby. And that was in uh, 2016. Created Practice Freedom U, um, which is helping other people achieve this idea of practice freedom, which is control and freedom over their time, control and freedom over their money and what they can make, and really have, the, um, have a business that can run like clockwork that can give them the kind of life they want and whatever they want and be able to impact people. 
so um so that's what i do now a, a typical day for me um i kind of use my days as some days i have free days um no work just fun just kid stuff you know whatever i want to do so i have a minimum of three days a week doing that uh some days are um focus days like i'm on i'm doing coaching i'm doing training um, I'm working with a, um, a handful of leaders, directors, and managers, uh, teaching some of the concepts and strategies that we have. That's a focus day. I'm on. This right now is focus. I'm on. Um, and some days are, are just, I just like to think and prepare and, and, and um, kind of look at where we're going as a company and, and kind of looking at the future. So those are how I plan um, my days. My number one goal, and it's still my number one goal, and I'll never achieve it, which is what I love about this goal, is I want to wake up every day and I want to do what I was meant to do every day, whether you call it superpower, unique ability, your, 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 your gift, whatever it is, we all have one. And my, my, my goal is always to wake up and just do what I love to do. Part of what I'm doing right now is that and delegate everything else. Um, so that's always a challenge. It doesn't always work out like that. I do have bad days. I do have bad moments. Um, usually they happen when I'm out of my zone of what I do really well and I try to get caught up into stuff. But um, so that's a typical day. I work with um, you know, business owners, work with their teams, looking at how I can impact more people. And that's, that's what I do. That's really awesome. And it's cool now that you did kind of transition away from clinical practice. And a lot of students who are listening to this now, they've at least been exposed to this option of maybe I do want a business. Maybe I want to actually have a clinical with someone who's a business owner because I want to learn from them. And now is kind of a unique time during the pandemic. I know we talked about this a little bit before the episode, yeah. but students are looking to find business owners to be their CIs. Do you have any like recommendations for students who might want to be connected to different business owners who could potentially be CIs for them? Yeah, so take it upon yourself, right? A student that fits the culture and the mode of a particular clinic could become a great asset to the clinic, right? Not only if they're brought up to speed, they can treat, depending what year you are, but obviously the further along you are, that's good. Think about it from the business owner standpoint. You have someone that you're not paying that loves being there that's treating with supervision you're generating revenue that's costing you nothing so that's one thing the other thing is you want you want to be interested in what they do you want to do your homework so i don't care if it's on the list or not i know tons of people that have done this it doesn't have to be on some list from the school if there's a place that you like, a place that you respect, reach out to the owner, introduce yourself and just say, hey, you know what? I've, I've heard about you. Stroke the ego. Um, you know, I, I, I wanted to know if you'd be open to having a, a student there to, to learn from you and to be a part of your culture for eight weeks or 12 weeks or whatever the thing is. Um, if so, I'd love for you to put, you know, put you in touch with my the person in charge, um, and I'll do everything I can to be, you know, just a total asset to your business. What owner in the right mind is going to say no to that? I have a lot of clients I work with. They would say yes in a heartbeat to that kind of person, right? Because of the fact that you're reaching out, the fact that you're being in my son's school, which you can see behind me, which is called Gonzaga High School, not the one in Washington uh, State, but the one in Washington, D.C., their number one thing is about being an advocate for yourself. I think that needs to be more out there in our world. Being an advocate, you know, taking charge of your life and speaking for yourself. Just because your school doesn't have one of their 10 affiliates that they have because they were easy, whatever, take charge of it. You know, learn to communicate, learn to speak to that owner. It's amazing what happens. It's a small world, right? It's a small world. You could be working there one day. Heck, you could be the director one day. You could be the partner. I was at um, a business conference um, last week, PPS, private practice section, business conference. 
And I was speaking to a couple of guys from New York and the guy I was, uh, uh, one of the guys I was talking to was a student, a staffer, a director, and now he's partner of a 14 clinic operation in Long Island. It all started being a student there. So um, I would absolutely recommend it, advocating yourself, choosing the place you wanna go and make it happen. Exactly. And it's hard for us to say that too, because we know how schools can be sometimes. You guys don't be like spammy about it. Go and reach out to people and be an asset. Like that's what it's more about is advocating for yourself, being an asset and connecting however you need to, whether they say that you connected them or whether they reach out and didn't mention your name. Here, here's a great book. I think every single person um, that's in school, out of school, young, young therapist needs to read and own. It's called emotional intelligence 2.0. We need to be teaching much more and learning much more about emotional intelligence. See, EQ is much more powerful than IQ. That's not what you're going to get in school. You're going to get IQ. IQ is fine, but EQ can improve. IQ can't. Your IQ is your IQ. Your EQ is basically your human skills. And your human skills, and there's research that supports this, is tied to happiness, is tied to success, it's tied to financials. It's what we're doing right now. I could be the smartest person in the world, but I, if I was a lumpkin here and just kind of went, you know, yeah, you know, and all that, you'd never have me back on. I mean, you may not anyways, but at least, you know, I would know why you don't have me back on. So learning rapport skills, Learning that smiling is a big deal. Eye contact is huge. Enunciating very clearly. Being fully present with somebody. This is how you become an amazing professional clinician. This is how you get the jobs that you want. This is how you create any kind of business you want. These are things that are human characteristics, that trait that anyone can learn. You get that book, very easy book to read. You incorporate some of those things and you practice those things within a couple of years. Watch what happens to your life. People may not know why, but they just like you. They just connect with you. And I give a lot of credit to you guys because you have this show now for three years. And part of doing this show is getting out of your own head and having to listen to other people and engage in other people and have a conversations and keep energy up. Those are all amazing traits that will translate to so many other things in your life. They're not talked about enough. No, they are not. And, and that's why, you know, like it's so much more than just being a student. There is so much more out there and we encourage you all to, you know, reach out to someone. Social media is like, I mean, it's insane right now, but we live in such a small world. You never know that message, that connection, meeting someone at a conference, what that can do for your future. And we are testaments to that. Like, I mean, it's, it's incredible. So get out of your comfort zone. This is some real talk. Get out of your comfort zone. If you want a clinical rotation, do everything in your power to, to be in that position and just just do it. Go outside the box. I encourage you all to go outside the box. Network and connect with other people. You, you have an amazing ability to network and connect. Mm -hmm. I know LinkedIn probably isn't a sexy thing for, uh, for younger people. LinkedIn is where connection happens in the professional world. So if you're not on LinkedIn, get on LinkedIn. All right? Connect with people. Connect with me. I'd love to connect with you. Um, you want a mentor? I'd be happy to be your mentor follow me. I put out a lot of stuff. It doesn't, I don't care if you're a business owner. I don't care if you ever go in the business. What I want to help people do is inspire them to think, inspire them to create, to inspire them to innovate something that might change the world, that might change our industry, that might change their life. That's what I'm doing. I'm just choosing the area in which I'm doing it in. But that's what you want to surround yourself. Don't don't stay in your little hole. Put yourself out there. I know it's scary as hell, but on the other side of that, and I'm telling you, 
being someone that's on the other side of it. I've been called the thought leader. The funniest thing I've been called the Tony Robbins of PT. I don't know about any of that stuff. I don't know half your audience even knows who Tony Robbins is, but uh, maybe Gary Vanderchuk, that could be somebody. But whatever it is, we're just people. And what we respect, what I respect more, is someone with the grit that is not afraid, fumble and mumble, I don't care, but you have the grit, determination, and the courage. That's what I see. Because those are the things you can't teach. The academics, you know, the intelligence, you can teach those things. You can take classes. But what I'm teaching right now to my clients, I'm teaching to hire people that have the qualities and characteristics that you want, that share values that you share. I said, don't get caught up in resumes. Don't get caught up in experience. Don't get caught up with initials after their name. That is not as important as who someone is, because that's what this is about, connecting with people that are truly sharing values. So I leave that with you because I'm literally teaching this in the business community of who to hire. And it's crucial. I don't know if we can even keep, we could talk about EQ and like talking about all of this stuff all night. And I would totally keep going with this, but you've given so much amazing advice. And if you had to just pick one thing, like one big piece of advice for students, even if it's something you already said, students who are in PT school right now, kind of as we come out of this pandemic or as we work through this year, what would you say to them? Well, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned the EQ. I mentioned uh, emotional intelligence book. Um, and just being open to growing as a person, growing those key relationship skills that you have. I know you're focused on the academic skills, definitely important. You got to know what you're doing uh, for sure. But there's a great saying, people don't know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And the reason people say so-and-so is the best and so-and-so is the best, they don't know your resume. They know how you make them feel. And if you want to be successful as a professional in this world, focusing on how you come off to people, how you make people feel, that will give you a leg up on anything else there is. Whether you're working for somebody, a director, whether you're treating patients, whether you're going for a job interview, whether you're reaching out to someone to get that uh, uh, affiliation or whatever. Um, it is something that I feel so strong in. It's something that I teach so much into my training is that stuff. Um, that's where I would leave people is increase that part about you. And I guarantee that will take you places that will blow your mind. And it's really exciting. That was amazing advice. For everyone listening, rewind that. That was incredible. So uh, for those who want to reach out to you who are listening and they say, yes, I want to get, uh, I want to send a message to Jamie. Where can they find you? Everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, so you can find me on uh, practicefreedomu.com, uh, the letter U, practicefreedomu.com. Um, just link up and, and follow me. Just sign up for you know, my, my, my books there. You can leave the look. Uh, the link for my book. My book shares the story. Some of the stuff I shared with you today, it's basically how I went from the overwhelmed, upset, you know, person that was working in a lot of hours and, and not. It's that kind of story. It's written as a story. It's for anyone. You don't have to be a business owner. Um, you can download a free copy of it, get it right away. Um, and, you know, connect, uh, connect. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. I will happily accept it. I accept every uh, PT person I just don't accept the spammers out there, but I will absolutely accept you. Um, so feel free to link, me, uh, link up with me on LinkedIn um, or my Facebook. Um, just follow me. And when you follow me, you'll, you'll, you'll hear me on other stuff too. And you'll start to see who else is in this industry. Who else is, is the thought leader or the player or something doing something. And you start to see things uh, and you realize that all of us are, um, all of us have a unique message, but also, all of us also have a consistent message that are people that are out there. And it's all about, you can do this. 
figure out what it is that you want, even if you're not sure, and just stay hungry, uh, stay in the fight, stay determination and grit, um, and ultimately impact the world. And you do that every day when you help someone else in their life. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Jamie. I'm sure people will be reaching out and connecting and we cannot wait. We will definitely have to have you back on mm -hmm. for a part two in the future. So thank you again. We appreciate it. Thank you, Gabby. Thank you, Sarah. My pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Gratitude. We would absolutely love to hear your biggest takeaway from this episode and share it out on all of the social media platforms and tag us so we can see it. And if you like our show, the best thing you could do is to take a minute to write a review to help us get this out to more students like you to shift the narrative away from stressed and broke SPT. 